you know that when Jesus dealt with it, I'm sure that the devil had used it for years and years. Oh, you know he gonna fall when I get off of this. You know he gonna fall when I offer this. You know he gonna fall when I offer this. But Jesus was different. You know why he was different? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. When you follow the Holy Spirit, it gives you power over the enemy. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Position can be defined as the posture of a person. And posture is synonymous with words like demeanor, attitude, and disposition. Example, if my demeanor is positive, I'm thinking, talking, and acting positive, uplifting, and encouraging, and such like. But if my demeanor is negative, people may know me as disagreeable, likely to be combative and pessimistic. And many of us, before we point fingers, have been both of those. Sometime or another in our life. Our posture says a lot about us spiritually as well as naturally. It speaks to our level of maturity in God and his word. How are we allowing the word of God to work in our lives? See, a person with a powerful posture is one with an arrogant demeanor and refuses to learn from others. See, an arrogant person will put up a fight to prove their opinion and, and actions are right, even if it costs them money, relationships, their mental and physical health, and so forth. See, a person with a prideful or arrogant or a haughty demeanor refuses to repent. What I mean by repent? To change their thinking, actions, and conversations to be more in line with God's word. Let me show you what that means. If I'm going this way and God's word is this way, I repent by changing the way I'm going to go more in line with God's word. See, as mature spirit-minded believers, we know that the, what the Bible says when it comes across a prideful demeanor in the church and beyond the church. And one thing I've learned over the years, you're going to deal with some type of prideful behavior. Notice, if you will, if you don't mind, turn to the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 through 20. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to come back and discuss it. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 through 20. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Better to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. So Proverbs 16 and 18 says this, pride or arrogance goes before destruction. Destruction means something's going to break or something's going to be ruined. And a haughty spirit before a fall or a stumbling or a calamity. And a calamity has to do with a great disaster or misfortune. And see, a prideful person is more concerned about being right in the moment that they can't see the potential disaster ahead. See, we have, we, 
We have the spirit of pride that is rampant in the world and will creep in the church, especially if we get entangled with worldly people. See, Bishop spoke to us about pride and selfishness in our recent leadership revival and conference. Therefore, there are leaders in God's church who operate in pride and self-centered posture. See, Jesus no longer, that means that Jesus is no longer on the throne, but pride, ego, and, re- and reputation is who they yield themselves to. So we see this in Proverbs 16 and 19. Notice what uh, Paul, uh, excuse me, the writer tells us Solomon in this particular text. Better to be a humble. He says it's more beneficial to be a humble or a modest or an unassuming spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. See, the blessing, the benefit, and happiness comes when we position ourselves as someone who has the ability to recognize their mistakes, take responsibility for their actions, and repent or change the way that they were doing things. Yet a proudful posture will seek to blame others and rather be consumed in their will rather than God's will. A prideful mindset can know the scriptures and still make choices in contrast to what they know to be true. We see this in Proverbs 16 and 20. For he who heeds, oh Lord God, he who heeds, who has insight, who understands the word wisely, will find good or that which is beneficial. And whoever trusts or has confidence in the Lord, happy is Therefore, it takes humility and wisdom to deal with life, to deal with the devil, to deal with circumstance around us. We have to be able to hear and recognize the voice of God and know what he says about a particular matter. We got to know what he says. We got to know what he says, and then we need to adjust ourselves accordingly. If God says love, I need to start loving. If he says, I need to forgive, I need to start forgiving. If he says, I need to stop hating, I got to adjust myself accordingly. As God reveals his word to us, we need to adjust ourselves accordingly. So therefore, it is imperative that I hear the word daily. So in turn, I can make the proper adjustments. Somebody said daily. See, the Holy Spirit gives us insight. He gives us wisdom and power to overcome the attacks of the enemy directly as well as indirectly. And see, to be, a, to be spirit-led, we must recognize and deal with any type of pride or arrogance that tries to rise up in our lives. I was, thinking, I was sitting there watching TV the other day, and all of a sudden I realized I'm getting prideful sitting here. Looking at my TV, talking about how nice my TV is and all that kind of stuff. That big 86 inch was just talking to me, boy. I mean, whew, I got so caught up. I said, oh, that's pride right there. I said, God, you the one gave me this TV. I'm so grateful for it, God. You the one caused, amen, me to get all these channels right here. I'm so grateful for it. You the one that caused this electricity to be working so the TV will come on. Yeah, yeah, somebody should have said amen. Thank God for a cable provider, amen, that provides some TV or some streaming services so I can watch TV. Because it can be real pretty, but if it don't come on. (laughs) 
Regardless if we've been saved for years like me, newly saved, or considering giving our life to Christ, you got to watch out for pride. See, the, the devil desires for control in our life. He wants control. He wants control so we can execute his will and not God's will be done in our life. Therefore, you notice how he approached Jesus in the wilderness, and he's, he's approaching us today either directly or indirectly. Therefore, we can see the posture Jesus took in Luke 4, 1 through 14, as he was filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit and to be tempted by the devil. I want you to notice as we go through, I want you to look at at Jesus' position, his attitude and his actions as he was dealing with the devil. If you don't mind, turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. The book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice verse 2, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Notice, then Jesus being filled, he was filled. He lacked nothing. He was saturated. He was complete with the Holy Spirit. He was saturated with the Holy Spirit. He was complete with the Holy Spirit. Return from the Jordan. Now, understand, the Jordan is where he received the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God dwelt on him, excuse me, fell upon him like a dove. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He was saturated with power, ability, skill, and wisdom, and every other attribute about God, he was full of it. Jesus had nothing missing, nothing broken. See, the Spirit of God, the nature of God, the character of God completes us, which is why I need to be filled, refreshed, rejuvenated, and influenced with his Spirit daily. It's imperative that I'm filled with his Spirit. My brother, can you bring... uh, the, my example for today. And can I have two volunteers? Uh, don't jump up real quick. But yes, come on up, Sister Charity. Could I have another volunteer, please? All right, Deacon McCullough. All right. We're going to put it so people can see it now, because uh, you know, good, if, it's good right there. Y'all come stand on one side, one stand on the other. And, and then y'all, I stand in between y'all two. One stand here, one stand here. Now, these are two what I consider anointed Holy Spirit-filled individuals. But on the outside, they have a normal demeanor, normal demeanor. One that it looks like, you know, a normal person. One has a jacket on, another has a jacket on. One has a dress on, I'm glad he don't have a dress on. Both have shoes on, very similar in color. So the outward appearance seems quite similar. Now, one, I'm going to give a sponge. Both sponges I brought from a very luxurious store called Dollar General. Upscale store. 
in the Bilirica area on the corner. Both are considered large sponges. I give you a large sponge. I give you a large sponge. Now, when it comes to the large sponge, both can be used for a purpose. They have something they can be used for. Now, one difference about this, if there's something needs to be done, what's the best benefit or the best use for what needs to be done? Now, I'm going to slide the water over here. Why? Because princess, all right? Now, you can, both can have the same thing, but one can use it for his purpose or for a better purpose. They can be used. For example, if I need something clean, he could clean it with that right there. Show me how you clean that. You ain't got to do this. Show me. If real. Yeah, that's see how it's clean like that? But it can use for a greater purpose. For example, I need you to dip just a tad bit in there. Don't, not much. Yeah, it's a tad. That's a little bit. Now, you can use it for this, but it has a greater purpose when you dip it all the way in. Y'all seeing that? Now, you can, now, some people, they like to dip a little bit, and they're ready to sing. They're ready to go and pray. They're ready to go and, amen, lay hands on the sick. They're ready to do everything else, but they got what? Just a little bit. They ain't got but a little bit. Now, some, they, they got access to it, but don't dip it at all. So we see that there's a difference. Now, uh, for time's sake, I need you to go ahead and dip all that in. I need you to dip in all that. I know it's not very big, but you got to get all that. Get all that. I want you, I want you to dip it all in there because Jesus was full. Full. Now, you got to keep on dipping that because... Hold on. It got to be full. I mean, it's got to be full because Jesus had nothing missing and nothing lacking. Are y'all following me here? He had nothing missing. He, he, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all seeing? Now, he was full. He didn't dip just a little bit in there, but he, had, he was full. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. And so you see how she's full? Now, she's ready to be used, this sponge, for its better purpose. It's better purpose. So now, uh, uh, pretend like you finna clean something or do something like that. Yeah, I mean, you clean and stuff, and then you, look, that's how she do it. She clean it. Cause why? She got a better, you got the better purpose for it. Cause why? She's full. And so she, now, she's ready to deal with whatever life comes her way. She's ready to deal with the flesh and the enemy. She's ready to deal with the temptations that come her way because she's full of the Holy Spirit. Or we can be and try to deal with life, try to deal with the flesh, try to deal with, and no, no, very similar, but one chose to be full and one didn't. One chose to be full of the Holy Spirit and one didn't. And Jesus was, he was what? He was what? He was what? He had nothing missing. So really, every part of this. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that feel different than when you had it before? Yes. Yes. Now, does it feel like it's heavier or it's more, uh, more, does it feel heavier now than it did before? Yes. Why? Because when anointing going to make you heavy. You're not easily moved by any wind of doctrine that comes your way. See, how does that feel right now? 
Lightweight, ain't Boy, that lightweight, ain't You know, you're lightweight trying to do something. The lightweight can be moved by every wind of doctrine that comes their way. Every temptation, that's a lightweight. Ain't got no substitute. It's still got it, but it's got no substance to it. And you got to understand where you are in God. We need to be what? Full of the Holy Spirit. So we can be used and not only used, but not easily moved by the flesh or the devil or the enemy. Are y'all seeing that now? Now, I can spend time with this, but for time's sake, I better go. Thank y'all. Give, give the Lord a hand of praise for these. If y'all can help them take that down, I'll sure appreciate it. Great job, volunteers. See, that's why the Holy Spirit is it's a gentle spirit. It's humble, easily led. And so when you're full of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 and 14 is a part of your life. Because Romans 8 and 14 says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For as many as are directed and guided by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So we go back to Luke 4 and verse 2. Because Luke 4 and 1, he was full of the Holy Spirit. But in verse 2, the Bible says, even though he was full, the enemy came to tempt him. The enemy came to test his faith. The enemy came to entice him. The enemy came to prove his character and his nature. For 40 days, and notice this, for 40 days, and in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry or craving for food. Or watch this, had an appetite. And you got to be careful that you don't eat what the enemy throws you away, especially when you got an appetite. A natural appetite, but the enemy can throw anything at you. And you got to be careful about that. See, the enemy was on a mission to entice Jesus. He wanted to put Jesus' character, his integrity, and his nature on trial. Entice means he wanted to lure or tempt someone by promising them something that they like. The enemy, it's hard to tempt you with stuff you don't like. The enemy knows what you like. He knows what your flesh likes. He knows what your un, unregenerated nature likes. He knows what it likes. Because why? The enemy has been doing this for a long time, y'all. The enemy has been doing this for years. And what Jesus had to deal with, I can imagine that some had fallen under that very tight pressure. You know that when Jesus dealt with it, I'm sure that the devil had used it for years and years. Oh, you know he's going to fall when I get off of this. You know he's going to fall when I offer this. You know he's going to fall when I offer this. But Jesus was different. You know why he was different? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, it gives you power over the enemy. He tempted, notice, he tempted Jesus. He'll try to tempt us too. But the devil is a believer's adversary. Jesus reveals to us in the posture we must possess when dealing with the devil. We must know who, first of all, we need to know who Jesus is and then we need to know who the devil is. 
first one you need to know is the power of Jesus. Why? Because when you know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, you can deal with everything else. The problem is when you don't know your power and you're trying to deal with something that looks great. When it looks great, you need to know what's in you so in turn you can deal with the adversary. You need to know who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. When you know what he can do, then secondly, it requires a sober mindset when it comes to the devil. Therefore, you didn't see Jesus panicking when the enemy came his way. You didn't see him getting upset when the enemy came his way. Why? Because he understood who he was in Christ. When you understand who you are in Christ, he can say, hey, if you are the son of God, do this, that, and the other. But when you know who you are, hey, I know who I am. I, listen, I don't even have to turn a stone into bread to prove who I am. I don't even have, listen, God, if you don't do it today, you steal God. If you don't do it tomorrow, you steal God. If you don't do it then, you're still God. Because the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore, he is the same. He changes not. And you ain't got to prove yourself to anybody. That's for you got to know who Jesus is. You got to know who Jesus is. And what the enemy comes after is your knowledge of Jesus. Because if you don't know who Jesus is, when you get start fighting in your body, you'll say, hey, can Jesus heal my body? When you start dealing, when you look at your finances and wonder if God going to do it, you'll begin wondering, hey, but you, you know who he is. You'll say, hey, he'll still supply my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you're going through in your body and you're saying, God, what you going to do? When you know who he is, you say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Why, coach, you know who Jesus is. You know who Jesus is. You know who the King of Kings is. You know who the Lord of Lords is. You know who El Shaddai is. You know who more than enough is. You know who, you know who Jesus is. And then when 1 Peter 5 and 8 happens to your life, let's go to 1 Peter 5. I got to know who Jesus is. Therefore, it's imperative I find out who Jesus is. According to his word, we have a good description by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They give us good description of who Jesus is. First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So when we notice, know who Jesus is, when the enemy starts walking around, starts walking around. I can be sober. I can be watchful. I can be calm in spirit. I can be calm because I know who Jesus is. Because if I don't know who Jesus is, I might start panicking. Mm -hmm. I might start panicking. When the doctor give me the report, if I don't know who Jesus is, I may start panicking. When family members start acting a certain way, I may start panicking. Why? Because I'm not calm in spirit. Also, he tells me to be diligent. diligent. In other words, cautious. As mature, spirit-led saints, we have to hold, ask the Holy Spirit to teach us to be sober, watchful, and calm. 
in our spirit, especially when we're dealing with demons, the enemy, and the flesh. And one thing about the demons, the enemy, and the flesh love to introduce themselves to you. Love to introduce himself to you. Listen, don't even be asking, but showing up at the door knocking. You look on the ring doorbell. That's the flesh right there. Click. No. Then it hit it again. Hey, can I come in? I know what you like. I got it right here. Always introducing themselves to you. See, that's what, therefore, it's imperative. We allow the spirit of God to calm our spirit. And see, the enemy will say and do things to get us off course, off the word, and eventually out of character. But if I'm spirit-led, God's spirit is resting upon me, and I begin to speak to the word of God in the situation. Rather than allowing the demons to attack my mind with fear, worry, anxiety, rejection, and so forth, I begin to speak God's written and revealed word. Why? Because he's an adversary. An adversary is an opponent. He is the enemy called the devil. The devil is the false accuser of the brethren and a slander. Walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour or destroy. See, mature saints understand that the devil, his demons, such like are not a friend but a foe. You got to know who your enemy is, y'all. That's why he's constantly looking for opportunities to destroy marriages, break up families, cause financial ruin, and ultimately get us out of the will of God. Revelation picked it up, too, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Let's go to Revelation 12 and 10 when John wrote about what happened to the devil. Revelation 12 and 10 says this, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his, of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brother who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Notice, salvation, deliverance, protection, and prosperity and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have Come. Woo, thanks be God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? For the accuser of our brother. Notice where the accuser ended up at. He was before God day and night. Now I don't know about you. I've had children to ask me for stuff. Not one time. Not two times. Not three times. Not four times. Not five times. Just kept asking and asking and asking and asking and asking and asking to finally I broke and gave it to him. That's me. Jesus had to deal with the accuser day and night. And what was he doing? Accusing, making accusation, making claims against who? The brethren or the fellow believers. You know what happened to him? He was cast down. You know what's cast to? Earth. He's here on earth. He, notice, he was cast, but his nature didn't change. He is still accusing today. And if you listen to the accuser, your marriage will go apart. If you listen to the accuser, you'll walk off a good paying job. 
If you listen to the accuser, you'll miss a good business opportunity. If you listen to the accuser, you'll think that what, what they said about your children is actually, absolutely correct. If you believe that. But you got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know that, amen, my children are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You got to know, amen, your children are they blessed and highly favored. You got to know, even though I may work on a job and they're not paying me enough, I'm still blessed and highly favored. I, you got to know who you are when you deal with life, when you deal with your flesh, when you deal with the accuser of the brethren. Because sometimes people are used to accuse or bring an accusation against you. And you got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know who you are in Christ. Because he don't stop making claims or accusations, but he tried to slander God's people, but thank God for the blood. Woo! Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Because this is what I learned by studying Scripture. Sometimes when you make accusations, they're true. But you know what? I got the blood working on my side. Woo-wee. Yeah, he lied. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins and iniquity. Yeah, they messed up. But yeah, thank God that he asked God to forgive him. He asked God to come into his life. He asked God, Lord, Lord, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know that makes us as white as snow. It's got to be this the blood without the, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins because we know that Jesus knows the blood thank God he shed his blood so when the enemy brings an accusation whether it's true or it's not I got the blood working on my behalf yeah Dobbs messed up but thank God for the blood Ooh, yeah, yeah, Dobbs got upset, but thank God for the blood. Yeah, yeah, Dobbs got jealous, but thank God for the blood. Yeah, Dobbs got in his feelings and in emotions, and he gave him a word or two, but thank God for the blood. Yeah, he did it, but thank God for the blood of Jesus. So never stop asking God to forgive you of the things you do wrong. One of the tricks of the enemy is, is that he doesn't want you to ask God to forgive him. Because he thinks you got too much condemnation, too much judgment going on to ask God to forgive you. And one of the lines he likes to use is, you only did that 22 times. Jesus made a powerful statement. He says, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times in a day? He said, seven times. Seventy. One day. One accusation in a day. You know, Jesus put that out there before us. We thank God for the blood of Jesus. We, therefore, it takes the Holy Spirit to deal with the devil, his demons, and carnal nature. Therefore, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is there to help us in our circumstances and our situation. See, the spirit of truth gives us insight, understanding, and a heart to receive God's word. Therefore, he teaches us to speak the word in our 
word in our day-to-day living. The spirit of truth will help us to speak a word of faith in the midst of fear. The spirit of truth will help us, amen, to speak a word of forgiveness in the midst of unforgiveness. And the spirit of truth will help bring healing in the midst of brokenness. Therefore, if you don't mind, go to John 16 and 13. John 16 and 13. We see how truth works. We see the spirit of truth will teach you and guide you into all truth. Notice John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Notice this. The spirit of truth is going to be a guide. It's going to be a lead. It's going to be a director in our lives. And one thing I know about the spirit of truth, if you allow him, he will guide you every day. Every day. Every day he'll guide you. Therefore, he says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Thank God for the spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. What's truth? Everything free from error. What is correct under any circumstance or situation. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. See, the Holy Spirit will direct us, to, uh, will direct us in areas that's free from error. See, the word of God is free from error. The word guides us into what is true under any circumstance, any situation. Therefore, the spirit of truth will lead us to answers that will help us to mature and fulfill the will of God. See, the spirit of truth will give you answers. Answers to problems. Answers to what's going on in your body, answers to what's going on in your mind, answers to what's going on in your relationships, answers. This is what you got to understand. When he shows it to you, though, you got to be able to receive it. Because it may not be to what you want to hear, but the spirit of truth still reveals truth to you. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God, spirit of truth will give you stuff. You're like, they ain't the problem. Mm-hmm. Why are you letting them get under your skin? You're supposed to be a mature saint. You're supposed to be spirit-led. You're supposed to be, amen, put away those childish things. But here you are ready to throw down like you did when you were. I'm the only one here be at the light that sometimes. All right, okay. I preached myself then, made myself happy. Glory be to God. See, the spirit of truth going to make us better, instruct us, inspire us, convict us. And Lord, no, he'd be convicting me, boy. I was in prayer the other day, and I thought I was, you know, sometimes you get in that, that arrogant prayer mindset. I'm praying for everybody else to do right. Boy, the, the Holy Spirit caught me, boy, turned me sideways. You know, you need to pray for yourself to start getting things right, don't you? Because you know your, your prayer ain't working already because the way you do it, I'm not telling you, the Holy Spirit will deal with you. Holy Spirit will deal with you, boy. And you think you're doing something uh, holy. Men ought to always pray and not to lose heart. <laughs> but you can pray in that wrong attitude, boy, and God will have to correct you. Then you got to go back and get some stuff right to pray you pray. Wait, anyway, anyway. I'm sorry, that was kind of personal one. I know. Amen. Holy Spirit will help us. 
deal with our heart, correct it, ultimately complete us, bring about maturity in our lives. See, his word makes us better and brings bigger and better into our lives. You don't mind? Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3. His word is making us better. See, the spirit of truth is going to work through the word to lead us to better. The spirit of truth is going to lead us in the word and make us better. 2 Timothy chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 16 and verse 17. I'm going to read it and go back and talk to you about it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So notice all scripture, all scripture, the writings, the book itself, or what I like to say, the Bible, is given by inspiration. Inspiration is the process of being mentally stimulated. Well, who's doing the mentally stimulating? God himself. God himself. And it's profitable. It's, it's going to cause us to be better, useful, and more beneficial. For doctrine, for the instructions, for reproof. Reproof is conviction. And for correction, that means we're going to be improved. Nothing wrong with correction because it what? improves us. For instruction, the training in righteousness, the, causing us to be acceptable to God. That the man of God may be complete, fitted, mature. Complete, I like the definition, mature. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man may have written the scriptures, but it was God who mentally stimulated the authors of the Bible to write the word of God on the paper and he would have it written in such a way we can learn and mature from it. Let me say this to you. Man wrote it, but he was stimulated by God. Man wrote it. John wrote John, but he was stimulated by God. Peter wrote Peter, but he was stimulated by God. John wrote Revelation, but he was stimulated by God. Luke wrote Luke, but he was stimulated by God. So in turn, it was just the way God wanted it. Just the way he wanted it. Just the way he wanted it. And the word of God is so brilliantly, brilliant, brilliantly written and inspired by God. It's designed to cause our life to be better. Why? Because it gives us doctrine. Instructions concerning the will of God. Reproof, conviction. It lets us know we are, we are guilty or, or, or the errors we're guilty of in or an error as relate to God's word. Correction, improvement given by the Holy S Scriptures. Instruction in righteousness, training provided by the oracles of God. See, when we get... Instruction in righteousness is training provided by the oracles of God. So if I read the book of Isaiah, it is a training provided by that particular oracle. When I read the book of Psalms, it's training divide, excuse me, inspired by that particular oracle. 
And as we mature in following and carrying out the word of God, it will cause us to be complete or mature. In my opinion, Jesus knew that because when dealing with the devil, he spoke the word, word time and time again. It is written. When we speak God's word in that manner, we're speaking God into the matter. How do you know it's God? John 1.1. 1, 1. John 1.1. 1, 1. And also verse 14 as well. John chapter 1 verse 1. John chapter 1 verse 1 reads as follows. In the beginning was the word. Woo. This definition of word I really like. It's the personal wisdom and power of God. The word is the personal wisdom and the personal power of God. It's his ideas and concepts. And the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh. It put on the body of a man and dwelt or took residency among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt in the form of Jesus. So all that power, all that authority, all that might, all that influence, all that love, all knowing all-powerful God, was wrapped up in the flesh, the man Christ Jesus. And so when we pick it up in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, and the, excuse me, Luke chapter 4, and when the Holy Spirit, he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. One of the things we're going to look at as we go through this, I'm going to be kind of brief because I don't have the time for time's sake, I want to notice something that I thought about as I was looking at it last night. Lord, teach us how long to have conversations. Teach us how long to have conversations. Teach us how to have a conversation. Teach us how to have a conversation. Luke chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. I want you to notice this. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, knows his position. It is written. It is written. It's composed. It's directed. Man shall not live or enjoy real life by bread alone, but by every word of God. Notice how Jesus navigated the conversation with the devil. He didn't try to explain his position. He just gave him what is written. He read from Deuteronomy chapters 8 and verse 3. Deuteronomy 8 and 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to be hungry, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might have known that man shall not live by bread alone, but by but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quoted from that particular scripture. He didn't go into a bunch of detail. He didn't go into Greek, Hebrew, or nothing like that. He told him what's written. He didn't try to explain his position in the matter. He gave it what is written. 
And some of us talk too long with the devil. He's not speaking his feelings, his, his emotions, and what somebody else told him. He speaks what is written in the Word of God. Give me a few minutes. I need to give you this. Holy Spirit, give us power to stand when it hurts, when we're tired, when we have thoughts of giving up and giving in. Help us to speak the Word in that situation. We ain't got to speak. ain't got to be long-winded. Hey, by his stripes, I'm healed. What you believe? By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. Jesus spoke what he believed, and he stood on what he believed. Then he goes over to Luke 4, 5 through 8. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Notice verse 8, and Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. Get back. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you will serve. Notice his position. When we posture ourselves and we stand on God's word and refuse to back down, we can be deemed mature, sons of God, led by his spirit, because Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6 and 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Jesus told Satan to get behind him. He no longer wants Satan, the accuser, in his view. And sometimes you got to tell the devil to get behind you. Because you don't want him in your view. Because the end, see, God put a vision before you. He put purpose before you. He put the anointing before you. You want that before you and you don't want the devil in front of you. And when you find out that's the devil in front of you, you got to be like Jonah when Jonah got on that, sh- on that boat and they started acting all funny. Let me say something. When that boat got all messed up, they kicked Jonah off the boat. Sometimes you got to kick some people off your boat. Oh, Lord, look how they're looking, Lord. But, but you know, when, it, when, it, when, when listen, when, that, when Jonah got off that boat, things got calm, didn't it? Sometimes you got, somebody could be on your boat causing havoc because they're running from the will of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luke. And um, I got to skip something here. Oh, yeah, Luke 4, 9 through 12. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. It said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He shall give his angel charge over you you, to keep you. See, the devil knows what's written to you. And he'll manipulate the word if you're not mature in the word. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And that is a Bible verse, too, as well. And Jesus answered, said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt. You're not going to prove the Lord your God. Notice Jesus positioned himself by going to Deuteronomy 6 and 16. That says this, you should not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. See, Jesus went to the word. He positioned himself in the word of God. See, the more I'm learning, and see, this is, 
what I'm learning. See, he is our perfect example. I need to follow his pattern. I don't need my own pattern. I don't need to reinvent one. I need to do just like Jesus did. Go to the word of God, quote what is written, and then move on. Move on. Because you know what we, we like to do? I need to explain myself. I need, I need to explain why I said it is written, so forth and so on. And you may have to do that if the Spirit leads you, but notice what Jesus did. He's the pattern. He's the pattern. He's the pattern. He's the pattern. And you got to understand that you got to follow the pattern because the pattern works. It works. It works. He didn't say, add some to it, take some away from it. Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. And therefore, you position yourself in a place. Now, you can be used by God. You can be used by God. You can be used by God. And you can go down to Luke 4 and 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Notice when Jesus went through his temptation, he positioned himself. And then my question came up. Well, what does it look like when Jesus went through all of that? Now he's getting ready to minister. What does that look like when he gets ready to minister? He said, well, listen, I'm going back to the book. Just like I had the pattern of overcoming the enemy, I'm going back to the book to show you how I'm getting ready to minister to the people. I'm spirit-led. I'm Holy Spirit filled. I want to show you how to minister to God's people. And not only minister to God's people, minister to yourself as well. Amen. And we'll pick it up next week. Amen. <laughs> we pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.